Welcome to the Parents as Tutors Parent Cafe with your host, Dr. Andrea Thompson. This monthly podcast seeks to provide you, the parent, with the knowledge you need to help your child succeed as Dr. Thompson shares her unique insights and professional experience in the world of homeschooling. You'll learn how to use the Parents as Tutors series of books and workbooks, how to teach children certain concepts, and you'll also hear success stories from other parents who are using these books. Looking for answers specific to your needs? In each episode, Dr. Thompson will answer questions submitted by listeners just like you. So if you're interested in learning more about parents as tutors or how to homeschool and prepare your child for a life of success, we invite you to listen in and join the conversation. Okay. Greetings, everyone. Welcome to Parent Cafe. I'm your host, Dr. Andrea Thompson. And today we have Mrs. Del Cid, who is an expert in the field of education. And, you know, we're always happy to have you, Mrs. Del Cid. Welcome to Parent Cafe. Thank you. Thank you, Dr. Thompson. I appreciate inviting me to your Parent Cafe. I'm always happy to help you and the parents learn more about special education and students with disabilities. Yes. And our parents are really, really liking your strategies. The feedback I'm getting, they're really enjoying listening to all the things. I think they're looking forward to it. So, mm -hmm. I'm really happy to hear that. Yes, my dear. Same here. I'm happy to hear that also, because the last one we did was on executive functioning skills. And I think that parents are really understanding now what it means when teachers are saying the children are being impulsive or the child has a working memory issue and so on. But the good thing is we are providing the resources to assist them with the work in memory. You're giving them the strategies on the Parent Cafe along with the Parent as Tutors resources. So that's just great. What's your thought? I think that's great because they are being proactive and they are helping their children and learning and understanding what the children are going through. It's very important for them to know how to support them and help them. All right. So now we're going to move into talking about children with dyslexia. And when we were doing the executive functioning podcast, we did mention that this is an area that we're going to talk about more deeply because a lot of parents have children who are dyslexic. And I'm finding that there are lots of parents who are wondering if their children are dyslexic. So... We want to really talk about what the signs are, the symptoms are for dyslexia. And I remember one parent saying that she wants the school to test the child for dyslexia. And I wasn't sure if I should say direct her in another direction first. So what would you say to a parent who believes the child is dyslexic? Well, let me start with the definition of what dyslexia is. Mm -hmm. Dyslexia is a specific learning disability that is neurological in origin. It is characterized by difficulties in accurate or fluent word recognition. 
and by poor spelling and decoding abilities. They result from deficit in phonological components or language that is often unexpected in relation to other cognitive abilities. And it does affect them in the classroom. So if a parent is having concerns about a child having difficulties and they believe that they might have dyslexia, what are the signs? What are the characteristics that they are seeing in their children? That is where they should start. Are they having difficulty in reading? Do they reverse their letters and their numbers? Do they have difficulty differentiating sounds, differentiating the type of letters? They're having difficulty comprehending, understanding a story, comprehending directions, or understanding what you as a parent is telling the parent to do. That's some signs of dyslexia. But for a parent, you can always talk to to your doctor, to your child's pediatrician, and find out and tell them about your concerns and also talk to the teacher. The student teacher can see how he or she is doing in the school and start from there and go through the process. So, I like the fact that you talked about letters reversal because a lot of parents believe that the only signs of dyslexia is if the child believes that a B is a D. So, or an F is a G. They, may, they reverse letters and all that kind of stuff. So I'm very, very happy that you brought out the fact that it has a lot to do with even the reading, which is one of the reasons why we developed all the resources in the Parent as Tutor series, because all these resources help parents with addressing all of this. So then, what strategies would you put in place for, as, say, a teacher? You're the teacher now. What strategies would you use at school for the child with dyslexia? Well, it's important to understand the different areas that a child can have difficulties in. When a child has dyslexia, you some students are having difficulties learning how to read, and they're able to connect the letters to their sounds. They have difficulties uh, using decoding skills. So that becomes an area where we can help by teaching them fun- the fundamentals, teaching them about what a letter is, what a sound it makes, what's the difference between a capital letter and a lowercase letter their sounds and how to connect those sounds together. That will be a beginning for students with the coding mm-hmm. skills, teaching them the words, CVC words, working with rhyming words so they can see how they sound alike and what mm-hmm. letter changes as the rhyme goes, like cat and bat. The only letter that's changing is the beginning sound from a with cat and a b with bat. The other area some other students have difficulty is like in the reading comprehension. They might mm-hmm. be able to read a story at their level, but they're not comprehending what they're reading. So when the teacher is asking different type of questions in order to show mm-hmm. their understanding of the story, they are not able to do so. So mm-hmm. just teaching the students the skills of Going to the story again, being able to teach them how to answer WH questions, 
teaching the students how to understand who the characters are, the setting, the plot, teaching them like the other things that are going on in the story and making them see how they can get an understanding of the story. So it will have to do with going back from where the child is, mm-hmm. going to the step where he needs learning and teaching and reteaching and just a lot of repetition for this type of student. Because oh, okay. Because a lot of them sometimes forget and sometimes they need to be reminded of what to do. Sometimes the students, it's hard for them to follow instructions. When, when you give the whole instruction all together, they might need a step-by-step on what they need to do. So, like reading the story, just giving the steps of how to do so. So you first read the story. Then you read it again and look for the characters of the story. Then mm-hmm. read again and look for the places, the setting of where the story is taking place. Now mm-hmm. let's read again and see what, what's going on, what's going on with the characters and where they are. Just connect yeah. it little by little, and that's what, that will be considered scaffolding, giving them the supports by level as they need them. And as they are getting better in this area, just taking them away so they can be a little more independent. That's one of some of the things that I have been working with. Right. And this is why I'm going to be doing some videotaping and some more podcasting to help parents, to demonstrate to parents how to do this. Because what I'm hearing is that even with the inferential comprehension, that's a struggle. But I'm hearing a lot about working memory. Because it's sounding to me that the dyslexic child may also have working memory issues. Talk to me about that, Ms. Delphi. Yes. I've had to work with multiple uh, students who, who have dyslexia, and they have a lot of difficulties in their working memory. So what happens is that the child is given instructions, and they are given something to do, and they're not able to do because they have already forgotten what they have been told. Or when a child learns a strategy for reading, for decoding, when they are asked to do it again to reapply what they have learned, it's mm-hmm. hard for them to retrieve that information they learned before and apply it to what they're doing now. So mm-hmm. they do have difficulties with retaining what they have learned and using previous learning of strategies and being able to apply them on a a next day or in a new activity? Well, it is giving me hope because I know that with all reading resources, that in the Reading Foundation, we actually have that support where we show them exactly how to form their lips when they're making different sounds. So it is very, very strong in phonological awareness because I'm hearing and in phonological awareness and in also listening to sounds because it seems to me that they have a lot of issues, this dyslexic child, with sounds. So what about blends? Because we do use, we give parents that resource where blending and segmenting helps them to actually blend um, letters, letter sounds, 
and actually go ahead and form words and to also decode by pulling apart words in parts and sounding each part. So is this what what you're talking about? Yes, I am talking about that, but I will just take it even a step back, just like first, like looking where the child is and focusing on their reading foundation. Mm-hmm. Because some students have missed that. Like they, they, they don't see the differences between consonants and vowels. They don't even oh, know nice. what a consonant or a vowel is or recognizing an uppercase and lowercase letter. So the materials, the resources for reading foundation will be very beneficial to work on those areas and then move on on the blending. Because once they have the letter, they have, they have their names. Now mm-hmm. they're learning their sounds. They'll be able to start connecting and blending these sounds, these mm-hmm. letters, and building words. So I do yes. find that that will be like, First, working on fundamentals and then going to blending and segmentation. Yes, I'm happy you're saying this because I'm finding that there are some parents who are saying that their children are having difficulties with comprehension. They're saying that the school is saying that the child has difficulty with comprehension. And then when I actually listen to the child read, the reading is not fluent at all. It's as though they are at a stoplight at every word they stop. They stop. A lot of them struggle to decode the words like, what do I do when I come to a word I do not know? And then I realize that, okay, so we're concerned about them even understanding what they're reading. The problem is they can't even read it. And if they read it, it's choppy to the point where they're not able to even understand what was read. So you're saying that in this case, this is why they need to go back to reading foundation, go back to the blends, go back to phonemic awareness, the sounds, go back to learning how to break words into syllables. So students pretty much need to understand what to do when they come to a word they do not know. So take me now to context as they read words within context and vocabulary. Yes. What strategies can parents use? Go ahead. Building context and vocabulary, something that I shared with parents on our previous conference was using vocabulary in everyday things. And it's something that I think parents with children that have dyslexia can use too. For example, using everyday things, everyday vocabulary, in order for the students to build prior knowledge, build connection with where they live, their environment, and be able to use that in the classroom. Let's say they're reading the story of Red Riding Hood. That means that they'll be able to understand what a house is, what a park Mm -hmm. is, or a forest, and seeing the differences of what food is, the name of the food connecting with the characters, a wolf and a little girl and grandma. It's just like everyday vocabulary that they have prior knowledge and they understand grandma is mom's mom. And then that a wolf in the story, it's a bad character and like just building that information and using at home, like the different things that there are, like 
parents can use the kitchen utensils, can use the fridge, the microwave, the stove, just to make it a learning experience. Using what's in your hands, in your fingertips, and being able to involve the child with things that you do at home, like cooking. If you're cooking, like teaching the steps. So you see, today we are going to make scrambled eggs. So what am I going to put first? What am I going to use? And just going step by step. And you are teaching them things that they might have difficulty, but they're learning also as you invite them into the parent's environment, into the parent's world, and make them be able to understand where they live and what you're doing. Yes, I agree. I agree with that. And I'm finding that. So comprehension for them can actually be with comprehending the context in which words are used. I hear you also talking about sequencing because you're saying that pretty much if you're cooking, what goes in first, what what goes in next. So as children are learning these sequences, things in order, they are able to take that with them when they're reading an actual article or a text that's flowing in sequence. So I would like to ask parents this. For example, if you're baking a cake, they look at the ingredients on the box, identify what's being asked, bring a little mathematics in it also as they measure, then have them tell you what to do first. Let them tell you based on what's on that box. The ingredients, the steps, sequence, what comes first, what's next. Have students to recognize the actual words that you use when you're talking about sequence. First, what comes next, therefore, and so on. So after they have the experience in the kitchen that Mrs. Delsid is talking about, I need parents to now transfer this to what children are reading. What did the author say happened first? What happened next? And so on. So as they read, let them follow the sequence and remind them that they did something in a sequential order as they were baking a cake. Now they have to look at what the author did in a story, and the author did the same thing, but this time it's only with a story that follows sequentially. You mentioned, Ms. Del Cid, that they need to use the WH questions. Could you share with parents what you mean by WH questions? Yes, and in school, one of the strategies we use for reading comprehension is asking students WH questions. That's who, what, when, where, why, and how. By asking these questions, we are asking the child to let us know and tell us what they understood and being able to show that they understand what's going on in the story. When we ask who, we are asking about the characters in the story. Who was the main character? Who was fighting? Who was trying to eat Red Riding Hood? Then the students will be able to say, who is the character? Now, what is like, what's going on in the story? 
what's happening? So we are asking the student the center of what is going on. When we're asking about a time, a day, during the day, night, what time did it occur? When we ask mm-hmm. about where, we are asking about places. We are yes. asking about where did the story take place? For Little Red Riding Hood, it will be the forest and then grandma's house. Just being able to answer and connect to those. Now, when we ask why, we are asking for reasoning. Why is Little Red Riding Hood asking these questions to the grandma? Why do you have big ears? Why do you have big eyes? Why do you have big teeth? And that is going to help the student reason. Well, I would say that they could probably answer because the Little Red Riding Hood is not seeing grandma as she used to see her before. Or she thinks that it's someone else who's trying to take place of grandma. And by being able to answer this, you're taking them slowly to be able to understand the different parts of the story. Now, when we ask about how, we are asking about the steps that they follow in order to get to point A to point B. Mm-hmm. And that's what I would say about WH questions. Yes. Thank you for that. Because we have a lot of listeners who actually use our resources. One of our resources is called Comprehension Intervention. Comprehension Intervention. Comprehension Intervention talks about literal comprehension versus inferential comprehension. And you touched on both of those because the literal comprehension would be a child's ability to answer the who, what, and when type of questions. Who, what, when, where? Who did what? Where did it take place? What actually took place? And so on. That's the literal, it's literally there in your face. This is what they did. And I liked when you talked about the where, because you alluded to it talking about the setting. And you also mentioned the different settings. There are different settings in a story. And parents need to help their children plot the settings. The story started here. What was the setting like? Then it moved to what other setting? Then it moved to what other setting? So for the dyslexic child, we're helping the child to follow the story along sequentially. So once we do that, as you mentioned, Ms. Delphi, that we move into the why, the reasoning. So you are now moving into inferential comprehension when children have to start reasoning about the relationship between characters. So that was, that was really, really helpful, Ms. Delphine, for parents who are using our comprehension intervention booklet. That just helped to strengthen your understanding of what that resource is doing for you to help your dyslexic child to move from a literal to inferential comprehension. And the others, as Ms. Delphi said, go back to reading foundation to help your child with phonemic awareness, sounds, 
We have those actual pictures there in those books for you, just in case your child is struggling with remembering the sound in an auditory way. We have pictures that your children can actually look at, visual cues as to how to form the the lips, how to form the mouth when making a sound. So Miss Delcid is saying that you need to roll back to understanding words, to blending and segmenting, back to reading foundation, and help these babies to actually get the phonemic awareness that they missed, the phonological awareness that they missed, the decoding skills that they may be forgetting due to work and memory issues, have them use those to actually take them into understanding what it is that they're reading. Go ahead, Ms. Sid. Talk to me about how sight works, because that's another thing that we, we, we do with our parents. We have in, in all our resources sight words, words that students or children should be able to recognize automatically. You look at it, you don't even have to decode it. You see that word every day. It's used every day, everywhere. You see that word. You should just be able to look at it and know it with automaticity. So talk to us about how sight words would help a dyslexic child. Yes, sight words are very, very important. Sight words account for up to 75% of words used in the beginning of children's when they begin to read. And like you said, sight words is a word that you see and you should be able to know what it is. And when they start in school, little by little, they're being added as they learn how to read and become more independent. Because these are words that are repeated over and over again in the stories. So teachers take a lot of time to teach sight words because it's going to help the students build their vocabulary, build their reading and stamina, and be able to also start learning and comprehending what they're reading. Mm-hmm. So each grade up to second, third grade, they have words that they're learning. And the more they know them, the easier it is for them to learn how to read. Yes. So this is why I'm encouraging parents, especially those who are using our resources, start with the level one sight words. You show them the sight words. I also want you to bring in visual cues. So if the sight words are I can, I want you to put the word I next to the word can, and then use a picture of someone running so that the child can now connect. I can run the action. That's how you begin to add the the visual cues. So you could do a lot with sight words. And whatever your child is reading, I want you to ask your child to identify the sight words. In this paragraph, identify the sight words you learn in the sentence. So sight words is very, very important. So go ahead, Mrs. Delphine. Is there anything else that you'd like to tell parents of dyslexic children? Is dyslexia considered 
a special need. Do children have to be tested for dyslexia and so on? Talk to me about that, please. Yes. If you think that your child has dyslexia, it'll be good for you to speak to to the teacher and see what's going on and see if they see the same things that you have concerns on. You can do a referral for your child to the special education office in the school and they will meet with you and then and then they'll follow with you and be able to do an evaluation to see if they're if the child has dyslexia or if he or she has other learning or educational difficulties or problems. So that would be great. In that way, they will be able to get some supports and accommodations that's going to help your child to be able to succeed in the classroom. Because once a child is considered to have a, a disability or dis, in this case, dyslexia, a learning disability, then we are thinking that this disability impacting the student learning, impacting the opportunity for the student to be able to access what they're learning, the curriculum in the classroom. And that's when it becomes a need of receiving special education services. So we can help and give the supports and services for the child to be able to succeed in the classroom. Yes. So I also thank you so much. Mrs. Delcid and parents, I want you to remember one important thing that she said so many important things, but I really, really want you to remember this, that Mrs. Delcid said that a lot of dyslexic children also have working memory issues. So if you finally ask your teacher, do you see where my child is having evidence of my child having working memory issues? If so, I want you to go back to that other podcast we did on executive functioning skills because we gave a lot of tips and strategies in that podcast for parents whose children are having working memory issues. We're going to continue this podcast. Next time, we're going to be talking about children with ADHD. How many of these classifications do we have in the special need arena, Ms. Delphine? ADHD, we do have two areas. Right. That was my understanding. There are two different types of ADHD because a lot of people believe that ADHD is a child's inability to sit still. Mm-hmm. But there's more. There's a very quiet-looking child who may have ADHD because it could be the brain sitting still. Yes. The legs. Yes. And then there's the attention where that's the part that you're discussing right now, the attention deficit. That they can be daydreaming in your classroom or at home and you just think that they are not paying attention, but that's what it is. They're having a deficit. Or the hyperactivity where you are always concerned because they can stay still. Now, Mm -hmm. just like a sneak peek about next conference call or next podcast, just because a student has ADHD does not mean that they'll qualify for special education services. There needs to be an impact in their learning, an impact in being able to access the curriculum Mm -hmm. that will allow them and give them that special education support. 
I'm so glad you said that because a lot of parents believe that the the child was diagnosed with ADHD maybe by a medical doctor, am I correct? Yes. Okay. So a medical doctor is able to diagnose ADHD. And a lot of times parents believe that because the child has been diagnosed with ADHD, that the child automatically gets an IEP. But if the ADHD is not affecting academics, there's no need for an IEP. So these are the kind of things that Mrs. Desit is going to talk about. And this is so important for parents to know that the fact that the child is ADHD does not necessarily mean that the ADHD is affecting the child's ability to be academically successful. But if it is, we can tell you what to do. So next time on our next podcast, when we talk about ADHD, you're going to hear all of that. But remember, go back to our other podcasts where we talked about executive functioning skills to learn about working memory for your dyslexic child. Ms. Delcy, do you have a last word for our parents before we go? Well, I will just say thank you. Thank you for listening to this podcast. And also I commend you for taking the time for learning and being proactive and helping your students succeed, not just in the classroom, but at home in everyday life. So thank you for making us part of your learning experience. Thank you. And how can they reach you, Ms. Delcid? They can reach me at Mrs. Delcid Sped at gmail.com. That's M-R-S-D-E-L-C-I-D-S-P-E-D at gmail.com. Thank you so much. And it's always my pleasure. So we're looking forward to speaking to you on our next podcast with ADHD. Thank you for your time. Thank you, Dr. Thompson. You're welcome, Ms. Desi. Thank you for listening to the Parents as Tutors Parent Cafe podcast with your host, Dr. Andrea Thompson. Parents as Tutors is a children's literacy program taught by parents who are devoted to giving their children the knowledge they need to succeed. Its mission? To build parents' capacity to partner with schools in increasing student achievement. If you have a question for Dr. Thompson that you would like answered on the show, please write to parentsastutorsllc at gmail.com. For more information on Parents as Tutors and to find out how our schooling can benefit your child, please visit www.parentsastutors.com. We hope you'll join us next time. Take care, everyone.